Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here again. It's been a little while, but back with Eric Wingerter. Hey, David. Good to be back. It is indeed. And folks, we've recorded a little less frequently lately, and we've been missing it. We've both had things going on in our lives that have uh, caused us to not to be able to record as much, but I think we're situated, settled now, where we're going to be able to get back in the rhythm. Back so we're excited track. about that. Yes, yeah. exactly. So folks, we have here, we'll do a little bit of an update, just because there's so much going on in the world, and uh, some of it's very unfortunate unfortunately. And then we'll get to a topic as well. And maybe as our format going forward, we might incorporate current events as small parts of the show as we go, just because of how relevant they are to what's going on. As a business owner, we just need to be informed, right, as we chart our course. So it's it's a little bit like a a pilot or a ship's captain. You got to watch the weather, right? And so we'll be doing that as a small part of the show, along with our continued topics as we go along. So first, Eric, Let's spend a few minutes. By the way, folks, just a little teaser out there. Topic today is going to be seasonal forecasting. Very important, especially if you have a seasonal business. We'll talk more about that in just a sec. But let's talk about some current events. CPI, Eric. Still hanging high. Whether you just believe what the government says it is or if you have other indications, it's still higher than anybody wants. So that's where we are right now. So, and, and David, we're recording this in around mid, mid-October of 2023. So we're using what the latest data that, that just came out this past week. Correct. Yeah. And I think Eric... For a long time, well, we hold the whole, heard the whole silly narrative for a while, there will be no inflation, right? And then it's like, oh, well, there is some inflation, but it's transitory, right? And unbelievably, most people I know in the market, small business owners, believed it and thought that whatever the narrative is, that must be what's happening. And you and I, Eric, were talking, scratching our heads back then. This is a year ago, right? And saying, I'm not sure this is actually transitory. Actually, I'm pretty sure it is not transitory. And I think today, Eric, the consensus is starting to change. More and more, I'm reading mainstream news articles where people say, this inflation is going to be around for a while. For a while. Well, and David, I know you—you know—you're the—you're the economist, and you've helped educate our audience and, and myself a lot on this. But by the fact that the actual definition of inflation is the money supply, and right. the government has just printed money left and right, we're what north of thirty-three trillion dollars in in debt. Like, okay, I think A plus B equals C kind of stuff. That I mean, when this happens, this is going to happen, and it's like. To think otherwise is, is like, it's, it's almost, I don't know, you correct me because you're the economist, but it's like, do economists have their head in the sand saying <laughs> otherwise, then we're going to be in 
in a high inflation environment for quite some time. I don't understand how we could not be. It can't not happen. And <laughs> I, I wish, Eric, that I could say an economics degree made me always right. It doesn't. But, you know, but here's what economics does do, right? We do know all other things equal that if you increase the money supply, that prices will increase. And in fact, that is what inflation is. Like you said, up until, I don't know, some decades ago, five, six decades ago, I think the general public understood that. Today, we don't even talk like that. So thanks for bringing that back up, Eric, that yeah. price increase is not inflation. Price increase is the result of inflation. Yeah. And I think what, what happens, and I'm seeing it when I'm talking to people, I'm in meetings with people, dinners with people, they talk about all the things that they think are causing inflation. It was the supply chain being messed up. It was COVID. Absolutely, those things did have short-term shocks on the system and made prices go wacky. But it's the printing of the money that is still happening that's causing all this. But Eric, let's, let's talk for a sec about the amount, right? Because I think for a long time, I would be meet with business owners as, oh, it's going to be going back down, right? They didn't even want to put swaps in place because they thought, oh, it's going to be coming right back down. It'll be fine in a couple of months. More and more people are starting to say, wait a second, this is going to be around for a while. We talked about swaps not that long ago, you and I, right? Yeah, Maybe that yeah. swap's a good idea. Maybe I should <laughs> think about this again. But I think in general, people are starting to realize this is the new normal. And then, Eric, you and I were talking just before the show here about the amount of inflation. And I think it'd be good. Let's put this in the show notes. You and I were looking at ShadowStats. It's uh, ShadowStats.com. And this is a website. I think it's run by a single guy. I don't remember the actual origins of it, but it wouldn't be too hard. Uh, I guess Walter Williams is his name. I see here on the website. Yeah, John Williams, yeah. And what he does is, you know, you and I have knocked kind of the CPI calculation before. I really, not knock it, you just need to understand what exactly it's measuring, right? It's, there's a math formula. And if even if we assume everyone's got full integrity, it is measuring a certain thing. And it is not always the best approximation of the change in expenses of the American household. But it well, is what and, it is. And oftentimes my, my anecdotal, well, it seems to be a lot higher than, yes. than what they're when I go and do something, you know? Yeah. Yes. You say like my world is more than 4% more expensive in the last year. How could this be that it's, that they're saying it's 4%? Yes. And so what this guy's done at shadowstats.com, if you go to alternate data and then you go to inflation and he's running two other calculations and he is using the same methodology that, the Bureau of Labor Statistics used in 1990 because they've been changing it, right? Every time they change it, it seems to make the CPI go lower. Coincidence? I don't know. But in 1990, he's using that methodology. And by that methodology, it would be just under 8% right now, the inflation rate, or this, if we call it that, yeah, or the CPI. And if he uses, there's a 1980-based thing. And again, this is not him making things up. This is just him using the same methodology the Bureau of Labor Statistics used in 1980 and just continuing it out until today. If yeah. we use that approach, it looks like he's coming in, I'm looking at a graph and not actual data on my screen, but it looks like maybe 12% is what inflation is. And it would have been last year over 15, looks like maybe 17%. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, is he right? Is he wrong? I don't know, but certainly 
it feels to me like my life has gotten more expensive by more than 10% in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, to me, just, just in generally speaking, 10 plus percent sounds a lot more reasonable based on my experiences. Feels like what I've been experiencing as well. And I would think you and I are not alone in that. So folks, shadowstats.com to check that out. Let's get to our topic of the day, Ert. And in fact, the CPI is sometimes seasonally adjusted. And this kind of is a good dovetail into our topic, which is seasonal forecasting. Yeah. And we're going to hearken back to, there's our word, financial forecasting a little bit when we, we talked about how important that was. And during that episode, we talked about this a little bit, but we really didn't dive maybe as deep as we wanted. And that is what period should be the, for, like, what, what duration should the forecast periods be? Should they right. be annual? Should they be monthly? Should they be weekly? Yeah. From a base standpoint, when oh. you're maybe working with outside parties, sometimes they just want to see annual. But when it comes to how important is the data and how it can be utilized to help us to forecast that annual doesn't cut it. And then I think we've even said in, in the past that, David, we don't, we don't like to, to build any type of forecast unless it's at least on a monthly basis. And we right. can roll it up annually. That's fine. You can roll up the data however you want. But if you build it out at least on a, on a monthly, and sometimes it's necessary to do it even on a weekly basis, depending on what is your seasonality in your business, because the cash flows can be very, very different month to month, week to week depending on the nature of your business. And so you've got to build that forecast out that accommodates that. Absolutely. And, you know, some businesses, seasonality is a small factor. For a lot of businesses, there is at least some seasonality. And I'll give an example. I was working with a group. We were trying to buy a company that was a supplier to businesses like Target, Costco, right, Walmart. So they made the things that these stores bought and then sold to consumers. So they had incredible seasonality. Because if you think about the whole, was it Black Friday effect with just the day after Thanksgiving being the biggest shopping day of the year? Well, for this business, they were supplying Target and Costco and Walmart before Black Friday. Their actually busiest time of year was September and October because that's when those mega stores were doing their buying to stock their shelves in preparation for November when they would be having their biggest sales from November through the end of December. And so there was incredible seasonality for them, right? It was like August, September and October were really big months. The rest of them were pretty low, maybe with some back to school special in the spring, but those were much smaller months. So for a business like that, forecasting by month, so critical and especially critical because they had so much working capital and a business that has a retail, if they've, or, or wholesale, if they've got a whole lot of inventory and you're paying on terms, accounts receivable, accounts payable, things like that, then you could, on an annual picture, it may look fine, but you actually, you went bankrupt in the middle of the, of the year because you <laughs> ran out of cash. So, so important to manage that on a monthly basis. And I think internally you need that. And also any external investor as well, right? If they're looking to invest in your business, buy your business, buy a part of your business, they're going to want to see that you've got a handle on this throughout the year. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great example. And I've worked with companies that were 
not dissimilar. You know, one was a pharma company and they had a tendency to, because they pushed a lot of things through wholesalers that they sometimes it would, it would just, it would always be this cyclical end of the quarter type of buy-in. And it's almost like the, the wholesalers didn't want to buy because they knew they were going to get some deals at the end of the quarter from the suppliers. So they would wait and you'd get like 30, 40% of your sales would be in the last week of every quarter. And it's like, holy Toledo. I mean, that, that just <laughs> changes things uh, so dramatically when it comes to your cash flow. And, and like you said, you know, your, your working capital management is just crazy. And if you don't forecast that, you can have some serious, serious problems. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, Eric, I think we, we hit pretty hard on why this is important. Let's talk for a sec about how you do it. Yeah. There's a few different approaches. Maybe I'll talk about one right now that I've used and has worked with businesses I've worked with before. That is, you could just look at the sales data by month for the last few years. Yeah. And you'll start seeing, and I like to spread it out each month as a percent of the year, right? So if I were to say the company did a million dollars in a year, and then if it was straight line across the year, what would that be? Eric, is it 8.3% per month maybe? Yeah, it sure is. So with no seasonality, 8.3% per month. But then I start looking, I start realizing, hey, in general, every March is actually 12% of the sales for the year. And then every June is actually 6% of the sales for, per year, right? And so I can then make this map of if the business usually has seasonality, you'll, you'll see these curves, you can graph them, and you'll see these curves starting to line up. And you'll notice hey, every year for these certain months, is a peak or a valley or something. And so once I, once I get, I settle on what I'm comfortable with, what my distribution is as a percent of revenue for the year, I can then look and say, okay, well, how much is this company going to grow next year? So here we are in October, 2023. This is right around the time when companies are starting to plan for what could happen in 2024, which is really difficult this year because of everything going on. That'll be another episode maybe to talk about. But let's assume that we said, hey, we're going to grow 10%. So we're a million dollar business and we think we can grow 10% next year. So that means we'll do $1.1 million in revenue next year. Well, I can then go month by month and spread it out. Well, if March is usually... I forgot what I said, but 12% of the revenue for the year, then in March, my forecast revenue could be 12% of 1.1 million. Right. And then maybe by doing that, I now have a map of what I think my sales will be for every month of the year, including the seasonality. Yeah. So that's one way to do it. It's not the only way. No, no. And and it works pretty well. I like that approach. And I also like, you know, depending on how much data you have, how many years you've been in business, like you, I like to show that not just calculating the raw percentages, but then laying that out graphically Mm -hmm. and even showing like year by year, looking back three different years and stacking them so that you can start to see, well, are these trends consistent? You know, as you see the, the typical dips in these particular months and the increases in these particular months. Are there some unusual things that are going on? Well, God knows we've had a lot of unusual things in the last couple of years, COVID, all those types of things. So you have to you have to be able to adjust for those things as you're looking at it. But having that graphical view in addition to just the raw numbers, I think is really important. At least it helps me. 100%. And Eric, you know, even graphing the future months that you forecast, 
I've many times worked with teams to say, hey, what can we do next year? And then actually the year after that, and I see them making their forecasts. And then what we'll do is we'll graph the uh, the future years on top of the past years. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> Every June, you've had this spike in sales and in your forecast, it's not there. Is it because we think that this June will be different than all the others? Possibly, but usually what happens is people say, oh, whoops, <laughs> I forgot about that. And, yeah. and then, Eric, I think once you do that, that's just the revenue, Yeah. the next level of, of forecasting, because you need to get this down to your cash flow forecast. Revenue is the beginning of that, is now tying it into your working capital and your inventory. So yeah. if in general you keep 60 days of inventory on hand and you know you have a peak coming in March, well, probably in January you're starting to ramp the inventory up in order to be ready for March, right? right. And if usually the summer is a lull, maybe you sell, I don't know, skis, winter coats or something, right? And the summer is usually a lull, then you know you would expect that you'd be ramping your inventory down right? at certain months of the year, not holding things yeah. up. And every business will be different depending on their purchasing cycle, where they're getting their, their inputs from. But super important stuff that you know can really get people into trouble, especially as they grow, if they're not really yeah. mapping this out. Well, I know we're coming up on the end, but it's probably a good time too to just pitch a little bit. You know, when it comes to your forecasting, it is so important to have as good a number data points or assumptions as possible. And anything that you can do to improve the assumptions and the quality of those assumptions just makes all of those forecasts that much better. And your decisions being tied more closely to what your actual expectations are. And you're going to get a, a lot closer to the likely reality. When you do that, the more you work on the quality of the assumptions to doing anything that you can to improve that is, is always important. Absolutely. And Eric, we didn't get to it, but I want to say it for 10 seconds. And folks, if your cash is really, really tight and granular, you're going to have to do this weekly. It may be that your bank is going to force you to do it weekly, but don't wait for the bank to force you. You know if your cash is getting tight, start doing it weekly. You need this kind of control to make sure you don't run out of cash. Okay, so that is it for today. Thanks for being with us, folks. Our aim is always to create more value for you in this 20 minutes than you've spent by giving us this 20 minutes. Plenty more to come. We'll see you next time. <laughs>